And whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk. Thanks to their lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on Ming's shoulders from WCW, and you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there, and you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are going to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the Perfect Package you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect package to get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs this is the perfect package for your perfect package get 20 percent off and free shipping with code slopdrop at manscaped.com that's slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Slot drop time. That's a slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. The slot drop indeed. What's up, wrestling nerds? Welcome back to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Sumo on Twitter, and I am joined by my tag team partner for this episode. Loose cannon of the Twin Lakes Sports Network, David McBee. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, pal. <laughs> not Vince McMahon's not here, but we're going to talk a little bit about Vince McMahon because a little blast from the past today on this slot drop. If this episode sounds a little funky, we had to make some uh, last-minute... Game time decisions, doing a little different recording setting. Like Dave said, we're going back in time. We're going to talk about an episode of Raw from June 28th, 1999. Raw is War, Charlotte Coliseum, Charlotte, North Carolina. Attendance, 19,533 people in attendance. Signs were everywhere. Man, just the opening of this show made me... I've almost forgot what it was like, those old Monday Night Raw shows. And what really blew my mind is... This was Charlotte. This was during the Monday Night Wars. This is WCW territory. This is Flair country, and they're going in. But, of course, you know, WCW had turned the Charlotte and the, the Horsemen fans because of the bad booking they were doing with the Horsemen had pretty much just kind of pooped on them. So now they came out in droves, and this was a huge show the night after the King of the Ring. Not only the night after the King of the Ring, just one month after uh, Owen Hart's death, like you mentioned uh the night after 1999 King of the Ring. The main event on this episode of Raw is the most watched wrestling match 
in the history of cable TV. Scored a 9.5 rating. I think that means nearly one in 10 homes was watching it. Had an estimated 10.7 million viewers. Well, this was a, a huge show. When you really break down, think about it. Two years earlier, where the WWF was compared to where they were on this night, on June 28th. I mean, two years earlier, you had you know the Monday Night Wars, WCW. They came out strong, 95, 96, 97, the NWO storyline, the Sting storyline, all of that stuff. They are taking it to the WWF. Late 97, you really start to see the beginning of what would become the Attitude Era. And it was a battle back and forth. You know, WCW won 83 weeks in a row. And even going into early 99, 98, it was back and forth. You know, Raw would win one week, Nitro the next week. Then you hit 99, WWF hits her stride after the finger poke of doom in January. <laughs> it was all WWF after that. And, you know, it's just amazing when you see with the ratings. You know, you mentioned highest rated. This show had a 6.8, Nitro that night a 3.6. So almost double the audience for Raw. But look at it, six months earlier... Raw was at a 4.9, and Nitro was at a 4.6. So, you know, WWF was just on fire, and you could definitely tell by the opening of this show. That intro music, Raw is War, just gets you primed and ready. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Corporate ministry kicks it off in the ring to celebrate. Of course, the core members of the corporate ministry were Shane, Vince, Triple H, Undertaker, Bradshaw, who we, who we all know as JBL, Farouk, who we know as Ron Simmons, the Big Boss Man, a.k.a. Big Bubba Rogers. Damn! <laughs> WWE Hall of Famer, he passed away in September tw- uh, 2004. Midian, a.k.a. Tex Slazinger and Phineas Godwin, uh, Viscera, he passed away February of 2014. Hey, correct. It wasn't this. It was Big, Big Daddy v. How about Big Daddy V? Oh, Big Daddy V. Forgot about that and one. And King Mabel. Uh, during this time, several members of the corporate ministry held titles. Undertaker at this during this show was the WWF world champion. Midian was the European champion. And the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, were the tag champions. 
pretty stacked stable. A huge stable. And the thing I really enjoyed about this, Vince as a heel, he was just killing it. Shane O'Mac, The Undertaker. I'll tell you what, that was probably the the most... Undertaker's never been buff, but I mean, you look at his shoulders and the... Uh, the build that he had there, he was as jacked up as I've ever seen Taker. But what an amazing group. And, of course, you know, they start out, they come out, they're talking about what happened at King of the Ring the night before when Stone Cold Steve Austin lost the title. And then we hear some old school music. I thought I went back to the 80s when the Big Boss Man came out <laughs> to his old school Big Boss Man music. That was awesome. Yeah, they're celebrating because they defeated uh, Shane and Vince defeated Stone Cold the night before to regain control of the WWF, and then promised that Stone Cold was going back down to the bottom of the ladder. And uh, and everything going on, he's willing to offer uh, the Undertaker the opportunity to defend the title against Triple H at Fully Loaded, which I didn't really understand that because both those guys were in the same stable. Uh, as you mentioned, Big Boss Man comes down, stares down Shane and Vince, and then rejoins the faction, and then. This brings out the rattlesnake. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. The crowd blows the roof off the Charlotte Coliseum. Austin said that uh, he did a few things while he was still CEO, like give himself a raise, the ability to attack Vince whenever he wants, and then he'll be facing the Undertaker tonight for the title, and if anyone interferes, he gets the title. Well, Stone Cold, I mean, you mentioned that pop. That was, if I could use a phrase, a road warrior pop uh, when he came out. I mean, huge pop, the crowd totally in it. That was just the first segment was absolute gold and really shows what 1998 and what 1999 was all about, Austin and McMahon. First match of the night, Ken Shamrock versus Steve Blackman, I think. Uh, of course, this is a weapons match. Pretty sure it was ruled a no contest. Blackman attacks Shamrock's ribs and then nails him in the head with a kendo stick. Shamrock, bleeding from the mouth, refuses medical attention. Blackman puts his weapons back in his little duffel bag and just leaves for, for whatever reason. And uh, more of a segment than a match. Of course, Shamrock currently still in Impact Wrestling at 56 years old. And Blackman currently a martial arts instructor and a bell bondsman. Impact? What's <laughs> Impact? <laughs> Just kidding, R.W. Hardy. Don't have a coronary. But uh, Shamrock, uh, you know, of course, looking in great shape. Steve Blackman, you hear this? <laughs> That's me doing my Steve Blackman nunchucks. Because he was... I, I love Steve Blackman. I, did I too. mean, he had no... He had no character, really. Never, never really going to be a main eventer, but, but he was he was great at the role he played, I thought. At this role, I thought he, I mean, it was some brutal, it was some big shots that he laid down on Shamrock. And, uh, uh, you know, Shamrock, too, kind of placed, trying to place himself in the title picture, calling out Vince McMahon. Uh, so, I mean, really hot start. I thought that was a great open. Uh, and I, I told a good story. Hey, Shamrock was injured the night before. You know, there, so there's a buildup. You understand the ongoing story, and I thought it was a good segment. We then see a young Michael Cole interviewing King Billy Gunn in the ring. Gunn brags about being on a winning streak, being tired of carrying people, and now it's all about him. Triple H and China then come out and uh, ask Billy if he's gotten his royalty check lately because X-Pac and Road Dog are claiming the rights to the DX name and pocketing all the merch money. DX at this time in the middle of a breakup. Uh, Triple H says he's currently busy, but uh, China can help Billy. Of course, China passed away April 17th, 2016. The Rock interrupts and then goes after Triple H for costing him the title the night before at King of the Ring. Well, this was a very uh, cheeky segment. 
Uh, <laughs> you have to watch it to understand that. But uh, it was cool seeing China and Triple H again. Uh, you know, coming out, they were just so great in late '97 and all through '98. Billy Gunn, you know, this was supposed to be the start of Billy Gunn's push to the next level. And now he's known probably as one of the biggest disappointments as a King of the Ring winner. I mean, look at the King of the Ring winners, you know, the couple years before. Take Mabel out of the equation, but you got Stone Cold Steve Austin. You got Triple H. They go to the stratosphere, and then you got Billy Gunn. And nothing against, I love Billy Gunn. He's still doing a great job, especially right now on AEW. But he could never get to that next level and... The segment, Triple H did everything he could to try to build him, to get him to the next level in that segment. But The Rock comes on, steals the show. He showed why he was the people's champion. You can see Chaz, a.k.a. Beaver Cleavage, a.k.a. Mosh from the Headbangers, and his girlfriend, Mariana, they're interviewed in the back. And he's asked about breaking character last week, which that's, you know, we never really saw this before in the WWF. So makes me think Vince Russo had his hands on this one. Uh, Chaz says he's been down Gimmick Alley before, and he doesn't want to do uh, be anything but himself. Mariana, I didn't know a whole lot about her. I, I did some research. She was a bodybuilder, fitness model, and passed away just five years after this breast cancer. Man, I didn't. I absolutely, completely forgot about the Chaz gimmick when he came out. I kept looking at him. I was like, I was like, that's Mosh, isn't it? I, <laughs> I completely forgot about this because this was a cup of coffee. Uh, but yeah, they were trying to do the kayfabe cocktail right there, and uh, uh, it was a really interesting segment. Michael Cole, man, he's looking young, and uh, but uh, Chaz, uh, of course, we know this wouldn't go on to last too long. GTV then shows Test and Stephanie McMahon leaving the Marriott together. Now let's fast forward to current times. WWF, or I'm sorry, WWE currently doing an angle with a mysterious hacker who's exposing you know people from the roster gtv was the original over 20 years later we still don't know who was behind gtv well i always thought it was going to be like gold dust television right and then i know gold dust i think he ended up uh you know going off to uh, wcw i initially thought that's what it was going to be but uh yeah i mean the uh the whole segment with GTV, I, I mean, even now, it's like, who was GTV? We're still talking about them 20 years later. Uh, they would have some interesting segment, especially over the next few months. Second match, we mentioned Chaz. He defeated Meat by pinfall after reverse Death Valley driver. Chaz was pretty talented, man. I don't know why that push never got off the ground, but uh, PMS, Pretty Mean Sisters, Terry Reynolds, Jackie, and Ryan Shamrock tried to distract the referee at backfires, allowing Chaz to hit the finish and score the pin. Both these guys look like they're wrestling in their underwear. Uh, Meat, also known as uh, Sean Stasiak, currently a chiropractor. Well, Sean Stasiak, he wouldn't be in the WWF in this era for long. He would actually go over to WCW and get a pretty big push, beating Mr. Perfect right out of the gate when he when he was there, and then having a pretty good run in his uh, in his last in the last year of WCW, but Stasiak, of course, the son of Stan the Man Stasiak, a lot was expected of Stasiak. I really felt he got killed by that meat gimmick. I really liked the Sean and Stacy show when he was with Stacy Keebler uh, back in WCW, but alas, it would not last too long. But uh, yeah, really, that's the thing I noticed on the short matches. Uh, matches were very quick. But yet, they were still able to advance a story, something that AEW could learn from. 
backstage we see the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor interviewing Test. <laughs> and then Shade McMahon and the Mean Street Posse interrupt, beat down Test. Test, of course, passed away March 13th, 2009. Dude, you're depressing me with all this <laughs> passed away, but Terry Taylor, his career passed away the day when he got in the gimmick box and saw that, uh, you know, he was going to be the Red Rooster. <laughs> it was funny. When JR threw it to him, he said, let's go to you, Rooster. Did you catch that? Uh, the Rooster. Hardcore Holly defeated Kane by pinfall when the referee, Teddy Long, gets distracted, allowing the Big Show to somehow sneak into the ring, chokeslam Kane. Afterwards, uh, Kane pops up, chokeslams uh, Hardcore Holly about four times. Man, Big Show, he looked young. He looked strong. Uh, you know, he came out. This was really, you know, these these couple of years, physically, I thought he was in his best prime. Still not near the worker that he would end up uh, becoming. But uh, Hardcore Holly, you know, he was trying to establish himself. He had some of the worst gimmicks ever. I still, for the love of God, see him driving a car down uh, to the ring when he was... Uh, the race spark, car driver. Yeah, spark, spark plug, har, uh, Holly, or whatever. Sparky that, plug. That terrible gimmick that was given out from the gimmick box. But, uh, you know, Holly ends up getting the victory. But then, of course, they still make uh, Kane look strong. Gets right up, and he puts uh, him down. But uh, really setting up a good... Uh, you know, this was kind of Kane after he came out that huge rivalry that he had, not only with Stone Cold Steve Austin the year before, but also The Undertaker that when they fought at WrestleMania 14. Uh, but, I mean, Hardcore Holly, the only cringing moment of this is when he spoke on the mic. <laughs> I've got something to say to you, Big Show. Last week, you threw a car on me. Is that the best you've got? Are <laughs> oh, you kidding me? Well, guess what? You missed! <laughs> you didn't miss. Look, Big Show, I'll get back to you later on because right now, I got bigger fish to burn. Kane, it seems to me you don't know who Hardcore Holly is. You see, I'm the big shot. Big shot. So, if you want some of Hardcore Holly, please. Besides blindsiding me like you did last night, I tell you what, why don't you bring your big red diapered ass down that ramp and fight me face to face? Because I'll tell you what, I'm ready for you tonight, you big red retard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, good worker could never could never speak. A good worker that could speak, The Rock, defeated Triple H by disqualification. Before the match, Rock cuts a promo about leaving a tattoo on the back of Undertaker's 33-pound head. The Rock has come back to Charlotte. Undertaker, last night at King of the Ring, the entire world witnessed The Rock beat you not once, but twice. But the people's champ ain't crying because he relishes in the fact that you woke up this morning with a brand new tattoo tatted on the back of your 33-pound head. And the tattoo read this. Last night at King of the Ring, The Rock did sacrifice me fast, for he took my own hand 
turned it sideways and stuck it straight up my candy ass. Triple H, The Rock says, you don't have enough hair on your Rudy Pooh to come out here and let The Rock serve you up a nice big fat Rock burger with some extra cheese. And when you get thirsty, The Rock has a nice tall glass of freshly squeezed monkey piss to go along with it. Oh, gee, was I right? Billy Gunn interferes and whacks the rock with a club. Well, Triple H, I think you could really see him coming into his own and starting to become the champion that he would ultimately become. And what's funny is earlier you talked about Stephanie and Tess. Well, we know where that's going to end up going that's really going to change a lot of the storylines with the McMahon-Helmsley era. But, you know, the rock, just think about it. In January, he loses the belt to mankind. You know, uh, Mrs. Foley's baby boy finally wins the championship. He wins the championship in January, but he, I mean, he loses the championship to Mick Foley, The Rock does, and he's this hated heel that, you know, him and Stone Cold going back and forth, you know, they have their battle at WrestleMania 15, and then by June, he is over, like, probably him and Stone Cold had to be the top two. The promos he were, was cutting was just blistering. Uh, he had advanced a long way since Rocky Maivia. For sure. They then show a uh, video of somebody that never quite advanced, uh, Prince Albert. And uh, Draws beat up Val Venus backstage, Prince Albert. Of course, Manscaped sponsors this podcast, and um, I'm sure they would love to have been a sponsor back in the day when Prince Albert did stuff because he's as, about as hairy as George the Animal still was. Uh, fifth match of the night, Edge defeated the Godfather by pinfall with a spear. Both current Hall of Famers, the Draws and Albert, came out. For some reason, Draws distracts the ref. Albert does a gorilla press slam on the Godfather, allowing Edge to hit the spear and score the pin. Afterwards, the Godfather gets beat up some more, tied up in the ropes, and Albert attempts to pierce one of the hose's tongues, and Edge makes the save. Well, Edge, they were starting to get him over as a baby face and kind of starting to break him away from uh, Gangrel and the Brood. Uh, the spear that they showed at the beginning, they showed a recap from King of the Ring. It was him versus Jeff Hardy. The spear that he gave in that King of the Ring match was better than pretty much any spear I've ever seen Goldberg hit. I oh, mean, yeah, it was JR just thought it was huge. incredible. He kept talking about it. I, oh yeah, he was he was putting over the blue chipper Edge <laughs> and uh, getting him uh, where he needed to be. But uh, Edge would just go on to be a just a legendary superstar. Uh, but real quick, I do want to go back just real quick. The Rock and Triple H, what's amazing is you have that match, and that's not even the main event. That tells you right. how stacked this card was. Of course, where they had it segmented at is tied to the Monday Night War. It was at the top of the hour uh, at 10 o'clock, so that way, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central. But because of their ratings war against WCW, which by now wasn't even really a war, but amazing to have that match and not have it even be the main event. That tells you how loaded this card was. But Edge, 
Uh, Edge was starting to set himself up, and uh, he would go on to some great things. And Jeff Hardy, of course, you know he had left. They had recently had left uh, Michael P. S. Hayes. Doot, doot. And uh, you know, real quick, you know, we got a special treat here. <laughs> I had to pull some strings to get this to happen. But we are going to be joined by a very special guest. He's dialing in right now. He still has a flip phone. So take take me just a second. Sumo. Is this is this Michael P.S. Hayes? Yeah, this is Michael P.S. Hayes. Is this Nathan Sumo Rogers? You, you've got the one and only on the line. What's what's the uh, uh, purely sexy one doing? Well, I'm just taking it easy right now, getting my fanny pack loaded for tonight. But, uh... I've been seeing these cool shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com. You could get a new Slop Drop T-shirt. And I got to tell you, you know you know Miranda, right? Yeah, I think you know Miranda. I think you owe her a boogie board. Yeah, well, that boogie board, I don't know why that couldn't hold my me on it. I think it was defective. But uh, you need to get one of those Pro Wrestling T-shirts over to Miranda, and if she wears that to the ring, man, you could be over like the birds. Uh, that's a great idea. However, she's got a pretty sweet uh, Bad Street t-shirt herself you guys need to go check out. Well, she's the Bad Street beauty, and you know we're getting her all trained up. Uh, I gotta go. Vince is on the phone. Dude, right. dude. Good luck, Mike. All right, you, you mentioned earlier about Edge and the, and the Brood and him about to break out as a single star. Uh, as this match ends, we see an unhappy Gangrel looking from the crowd. Of course, Edge and Gangrel and Christian were the brood. They ended up breaking up a few weeks after this. Christian! Sorry, I had a flashback to it. I know he wasn't there yet. The music wasn't started, but I just had to get my Christian in. I, I like the brood's music. That was an awesome theme song. The brood's entrance was, uh, was, awesome. was really good. And, I mean, you know, Christian, Edge, Christian's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. If uh, Vince doesn't get mad at him anymore, you know, I know Vince, he, you know, he's not crazy about him. Come on, pal. But, uh, you know, hopefully Christian can get there. But what a group that that was. Sixth match, Bradshaw, JBL, uh, defeated Billy Gunn by pinfall after the clothesline from hell. X-Pac interfered, allowing Bradshaw to hit the finish, score the pin. China comes out, goes after X-Pac. Road Dog makes the save. Uh this was weird. I, this match happened because Billy Gunn previously took one of the tag belts with him after winning a six-man tag match where he was partners with the Acolytes, who were the actual tag champions. And, of course, after the win, he took the, the tag title back, uh, even though it's a tag team title being won in a singles match. I, anyway, just a little background about, about that match. It's just a weird uh, situation. Well, I mean, it screams of Vince Russo booking. But, uh, you know, Bradshaw, Billy Gunn, the Billy Gunn push, he uh, he loses by pinfall his first night as uh, as King of the Ring. <laughs> Going, getting off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, almost just destroyed out of the blocks. Uh, X-Pac came out, and, of course, DX just absolutely exploding. The thing I really enjoyed about this segment was seeing Bradshaw, you know, the character that he was in, and then ultimately think about what he would become later as JBL, the evolution of him to that character but uh, D-Generation X was imploding. WWF Women's Champion at the time, Ivory, with Nicole Bass, comes out to the ring. Ivory now a Hall of Famer. Bass passed away February of 2017. Ivory talks about wanting someone, uh, some real competition and issues an open challenge to any fan in the crowd. 
Fan gets up in the ring, starts to chicken out, but Ivory slaps her, then Bass power bombs her. Ivory drags her around into the, by the hair until WWF security makes the save. Some more sad news, WWF head of security Jim Dotson makes a step in. He was basically the Doug Dillinger of WWF from 95 to 2001. You mentioned earlier about getting sad, all these people dying. He died in 2015 at the age of 49. Well, this segment right here, you know, Nicole Bass, they needed to angle her a little bit to make sure she was looking at the camera. I know she was standing straight, but uh, I couldn't tell if she was looking at the camera or not with that one eye that was going sideways. But, you know, I was, it's funny, I was listening to Bruce Pritchard the other day and he was talking about, uh, you know, his podcast and they were talking about some of this 99 stuff and they were talking about Nicole Bass and he just said, that was a bad idea. Yeah. So, that's not going to work, pal. I think she had some baggage. I think her husband or boyfriend or whatever was some bad news as well. But I like Nicole Bass. I, I liked her stuff in ECW that she did with the group in ECW. I thought she fit in with that better. Just this putting her together with Ivory just didn't work for me, brother. Young Michael Cole, again, backstage, uh, interviews Vince McMahon, who says, uh, appears he's not worried about Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I can take care of Austin, pal. I don't, now I can't. St- I just I keep wanting to talk like Vince, but uh, the young Michael Cole. I mean, he had so much. He had a glimmer in his eyes, such a future of hope. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, he's just another guy with stuff on his nose. Uh, seventh match of the night: Jeff Jarrett defeated X Pac by pinfall to retain the WWF Intercontinental Title. Fans chanting Mongo during the match, which is uh, Deborah's ex-husband, Deborah McMichael, out with Jeff Jarrett. Deborah also the ex-wife of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Billy Gunn interferes. Deborah opens up her jacket, shows her puppies. King goes crazy. The ref gets distracted, allowing Gunn to hit the uh, famouser. Jarrett scores the pin, retains the title. Road Dog comes out, followed by China, until the referees break up the brawl. And Jeff Jarrett broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it was kind of a, uh, a mess of a match. But, you know, X-Pac, you know, X-Pac kind of looked kind of struggling in that match. Didn't he have a really good match, in my opinion? Uh, but, you know, DX just all over the show with the split and everything. A lot of run-ins. Yeah, I, didn't, I never cared for the DX split. It didn't, didn't make much sense to me. But. I mean, I thought it was really too soon. Because think about it. DX started, what, late 97? Yeah. They're already splitting up. They've been together a year and a half. But, I mean, in hindsight, you could look, hey, the NWO stayed together that whole time, and WCW ended up tanking. Oh. So maybe uh, Vince and Vince, <laughs> pal, were correct. Main event of the night, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeats The Undertaker by pinfall after a stunner to become the WWF champion for the fourth time. Good back and forth action here. Paul Bear gets involved. Of course, he passed away March of 2013. Taker goes for the tombstone, countered into a stunner for the two count. Bear pulls the referee out. Austin eventually hit another stunner and scores the pin. Undertaker hits him with a belt, draws blood, and beats Austin down to end the show. What's amazing was, you know, this is a pay-per-view caliber match. This showed why WWF won the war 
I mean, look at the main events they're putting on. While WCW is doing the finger poke of doom and, you know, they're having Nash and Hogan or, or Hogan versus, you know, whoever for the 50th time, uh, you know, putting on just a great main event. While the other matches were short, quick, they gave plenty of time for this match. They told a story. They were even showing some color in it. Uh, Stone Cold, I, I, to me, I thought he seemed a little bit tired. Uh, at the end of the match, uh, and when he hit that first stunner, I was like, oh, that's it. Well, then, you know, with the interference, but then Undertaker, you know, letting him into second stunner on him, that made Austin look look strong, and, I, I mean, the crowd, you know, the, the flair, what had been the flair in WCW crowd was totally on board with the WWF, and they were just going to keep tearing it up for the next year before ratings would start to dip back down. Yeah, I don't know what ever happened to these two guys. I think they're just two jobbers from Texas. Um, Stone Cold Steve. I'm just kidding. Two legends. Undertaker just recently announced his retirement, which I'm not 100% bought into. But that was the highest rated match in the history of cable television, drawing over 10 million viewers, a record that will probably never be broken. Each week we see AEW bragging about getting maybe 700, 800 thousand viewers this got over 10 million for this match first i apologize that background noise uh steve blackman just came running by again with his nunchucks with so his, <laughs> his duffel bag full yeah that's, that's what that, throwing stars that's what that uh, uh you know wheezing thing is in the background uh stop it steve stop <laughs> it uh but i mean just uh it was a solid show and you know wwf was just on fire during this time and you know, you talk, let's talk a little bit about The Undertaker real quick. Have you watched that series, The Last Ride of The Undertaker? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent series. If you guys are listening and you haven't watched it and you got the network, go check it out. So now, question for you. Does Undertaker come back in your opinion? I think he will. Um, you know, kind of been down this road before. He, he, I don't know if he's actually said I'm officially done. I know how it ended. It said he's going out on his terms and then... The show kind of fades away, but I think we will see him again in some capacity. Well, I, I, I my fear is he's going to turn out like my brother Dory <laughs> and turn out like uh, Terry Funk. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. But uh, Terry Funk. Another Texan. <laughs> what, what's funny is they just put on uh, the uh, behind, or I can't even remember what was the what was the movie they did back in the day, Beyond the Ring. Beyond the Beyond the Mat. Or Beyond the Mat. That was it. Yeah, and it has it has uh, it, you know Funk on. He's like, I'm gonna be retired. I, that was the worst Terry so, Funk of so all. So we don't time. want Taker to be a Randy Ram uh, from the wrestler portrayed by Mickey Rourke. Yeah, and I mean, I loved watching this and seeing him in his prime, and then I went back. I just started it. I watched episode one, and he was having his match at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. Boo! And to see what he was doing in that WrestleMania match against Reigns and how he was moving, compared to how he was moving here with Stone Cold Steve Austin, I hope he does retire. I I mean, I love The Undertaker, but I don't want to see The Undertaker like Terry Funk where... He can't even walk straight because, you know, his feet are so yeah. spread apart and that, he's in such pain. I, I don't need the only thing, saving grace, now that they're doing these cinematic matches where they're able to stop and cut and film and all that stuff, maybe him and Sting, one final match where they can go at a, at a pace they're comfortable with, they can stop, make cuts and edits, um, 
other than that, a live match in front of 100,000 people, I don't, I don't think we'll see that again. And I enjoyed the cinematic match with AJ Styles. And, uh, you know, if he was to go out, what a great way to go out. Think, think about that match. He showed all of his characters. He showed, you know, the American Badass. He showed, you know, his, his Undertaker character. I hope that was his final match, and you can't think of a better person to go out with than a match with AJ Styles. A Sting match, the only way I would want to see a Sting match would be if it was a cinematic match, because yeah. I think if you did watch it live, we'd all be very disappointed. I think so, too. Well, that was the uh, June 28, 1999 edition of Raw is War. Lots of action, lots of Hall of Famers, lots of people dying, lots of viewers. What do you think, Dave? Well, lots of depression with you naming all the people. I had an over-under, 10 or ten or less, and I think you went over 10. So uh, that, was to, that was the sad part of the show to me. So many of these great people that I grew up watching, uh, knowing that they passed away and seeing them and remembering, like, you know, China comes out. Well, she's passed away. You know, Big Boss Man comes out. Well, he's passed away. Yep. Very sad to see that, but it was a great show. It was WWF in their prime. I can only think of one other um, time frame where WWF was this hot, and that was the late 80s. You know, you're talking 87 to 89 when they had Hogan, the Warrior, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, the Macho Man, all that stuff going yeah, strong. And we're going to get to some of those, too, doing these uh, old-school recaps. And that's the thing. We can go for, to a blast from the past. i got to tell you, I enjoyed watching this show yep. more than I've enjoyed watching wrestling in a long time. And that's a sad state of affairs. The only wrestling that's close to it right now to me is Mid-States Wrestling, who's selling tickets right now. Check them out, mswtickets.com, for their show coming up in Springfield. And has some memorabilia for sale. Uh, go check them out. Yeah, they, they had an auction, and I, I bid. I got outbid on the second auction. I won a few things in the first one. But, man, people were bidding like crazy. But, yeah, they got some items that they put up that people didn't come back and buy. But, uh, you know, um, but besides that, this was WWF in their prime. They were rocking and rolling uh, to, to steal Ricky Morton's line, <laughs> rock and roll forever. But uh, overall, man, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I, I'm really missing the crowd. I really didn't realize how much I was missing the crowd until I watched the show. And hopefully the crowds will be coming back soon, even though I know there was some news with the WWE uh, this week uh, about uh, that might slow down production for a while. Man, that about wraps it up. Check us out on Facebook at The Slop Drop, on Twitter at The Slop Drop 1. Wherever you can find a podcast, we're there. Give us a like, a review, and a good rating. And until next time, we are out of here. Doot, doot. Goodbye and good night. One, two, three.